Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. That is possibly my favorite song. Like if I were to pick one song to worship to, that's probably going to be the one that I'll worship to. It's a great song and it's perfect for today's message. Um, I'm going to do something this morning that I've only done one other time and it was in the Gospel of John. Um, when I preached on John 3, 8, we're going to look at just one verse this morning. This one verse is so heavy that it deserves its own sermon. And so uh, John 13, verse 1. If you're there, say word. Fantastic. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the immeasurable riches that we can see within the truth of this book. So God, I pray that you will open up our hearts and our eyes to see the truth that you have just in this one verse, we thank you for who you are. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A friend of mine on Facebook this morning shared this account of um, John Huss um, on Facebook. And so he said this. This is what he said. 604 years ago today. That's today. 604 years ago today. A man named John Huss was murdered for preaching the gospel. In Huss's day, preachers were to only preach in Latin. This was the language of the priesthood and not a language that common people could understand. Inspired by John Wycliffe, Huss began preaching the gospel in common language. This action and others were not well received. They chained him, they chained him to the stake by his neck and tied his hands behind his back. All of his clothing had already been removed to publicly shame him. Starting at the bottom of the stake, his executioners began to pile both straw and wood. And before the fire was started, he was asked to recant of his work and doctrine. He responded by saying this, In the same truth of the gospel which I have written, taught, and preached, Drawing upon the sayings and positions of the holy doctors, I am ready to die today. Now, my friend went on to talk about persecution in the church. I just wanted to use that illustration for my message this morning. As we have just read from John 13, 1 about the love of Christ, we can see now why men in the past, in the present, and in the future are willing to die for their faith. See, John Huss knew the love of Christ for him as a believer. He knew how much Jesus loved him, and that sparked his love for Christ, so much so that he was willing to pay the price for that kind of love. This verse, John 13, 1, is one of the most encouraging verses in the Gospel of John. And it's probably, in my opinion, one of the most encouraging verses in the entire Bible. 
Which is why I wanted to take this time on this Sunday morning and preach just this one verse. We see now, if you've been following with us through our journey through the Gospel of John, and guys, let me tell you, we've been in this for, man, going on 17, 18 months now, I think, something like that, maybe 15, 16, over a year. Started April of last year, and we're just now halfway through. And if I'm only going to be preaching one verse a week, y'all better gear up. It's going to be a while. But if you've been following with us through this journey, you know that Jesus is now leaving His public ministry. He's no longer preaching and teaching to the people. Beginning in 13, He's going to be in His private ministry with the disciples. He's going to be teaching them and encouraging them. And and man, when we get to John 17, the prayer that He prays for them, and not just for them, but for all the believers. Here in John 13, He's very close to the cross. Very close. This is more than likely on Thursday, coming up to the crucifixion. And we see in verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, the Lord's Supper, I'm sorry, the Last Supper, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. Now we've, we've seen several times throughout the Gospel of John where Jesus would say, my hour has not yet come. You know, He, he said it with Mary at the, at the wedding in Cana. He, he, he said it, uh, or, or John said it when He was able to escape from the security uh, guards that were going to try and take Him. My hour has not yet come. But now His hour has come to depart out of this world to the Father. It's a heavy time. Jesus has the shadow of the cross looming over Him. So with the cross coming, the shadow being cast on Him, Jesus, in verse 1, this is what I love about this verse. It shows us what's on His heart. It shows us what He's thinking about. Usually, you know, you see in movies when people are uh, about to die, maybe. You know, they'll say, tell my wife I love her or give this gift to so-and-so in case I don't make it back. You know, when you are in that time to where you're about to die, probably what is on your heart tends to come out. And this verse, verse 1, shows us what is on his heart. So, the big idea that I want you to walk away from today's message is this. The particular love of Christ provides grace to press on for him. The particular love of Christ provides grace to press on for him. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's dig into this. First, let's look at, number one, the direction of Christ's particular love. We see that there is, a, there is a target of His love in this verse. Now, we need to understand that Christ has a universal love for the world. We see that in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But we must see that there is a particular love a special love that He shows here specifically for His disciples, but even more so 
for everybody that follows him. And for example, let me let me tell you this. I love each and every single one of y'all. Some of y'all might love more than others, but I'm just kidding. I'm glad somebody laughed in the back. I do. I love each and every single one of y'all. But there's one person in this room that I'm going to love in a more special and more particular way than I'll love each and every single one of y'all. And that's Barry Loving. I'm kidding. (laughs) My wife, right? I'm going to love my wife differently and more special and more particular than I am going to love everybody else, right? If I were to love you in the way I love my wife, that'd just be inappropriate. We see that here with Jesus, that that he has a particular love, a love for his bride, the church. There's still a love for the world, but there's a special particular love for the church. So we're looking at Christ's love this morning. And guys, I'm really hoping that this is going to be an encouraging message for you because I'm going to tell you this week when I one of my commentaries I read just on this one verse, I was weeping at just what God showed me through this. And I really hope I can get this across to you this morning. James Montgomery Boyce said this, God has done some things for all men. But on the other hand, God has done all things for some men. Christ has accomplished all that is needed to be accomplished, that we may believe and follow him. He has loved us to the point of dying for us. I want you to think about that. I want you to think you individually. He has loved you to the point of dying for you. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Love. Are you worth dying for? It's a question you need to ask yourself. Because you're not. You're sinful. You're not worth dying for. I'm not worth dying for. I'm not worth the spotless, sinless Son of God to sacrifice His life for me. I'm not worth that. But it's love that sends Him to the cross to die for you and me. We are Christ's own because He has called us, He has chose us, He has loved us, He's died for us, He's set us apart, and He's transformed us. We could do a whole sermon just on two words out of this verse. Having loved his own. Spurgeon says this, The fact that you are truly Christ is the fountain of innumerable pleasures and blessings to your heart. Jesus calls us his own, his own sheep, his own disciples, his own friends, his own brethren, the members of his body. What a title for us to wear. His own. He distinguishes us from the rest of mankind and sets us apart unto himself. My name shall be named on them, says he. Surely this is the highest honor that can be put upon us even in the last great day. To be called his own. We see this kind of love for us and how he loved his disciples. 
In the midst of their sin, he called them to follow him. In the midst of their ignorance and betrayal, he loved them. In the midst of their failures, he still claimed them. Why? Because they are his. Eleven of them are. They are his. And so are we if we have surrendered our lives to him. J.C. Ryle has said, knowing perfectly well that they were about to forsake him, shamefully in a very few hours, in full view of their approaching display of weakness and infirmity, our blessed master did not cease to have loving thoughts of his disciples. What happens when Jesus gets, get, get, gets put on trial? Peter denies him three times. The disciples scatter. They betray him, but it does not cease. He does not cease to have loving thoughts of his disciples. And this leads us to our second point of Christ's love. Number two, we see the demonstration of Christ's patient love. We see the demonstration of his patient love for us. He loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Man, I love this verse. This is a beautiful verse because to the end could mean one of three things. First, it could mean to the end of Christ's life. It could mean to the end of Christ's life. And we see that here with Christ's demonstration of his patient love. These disciples were hours away from betraying him. Yet Christ still loved them all the way to the cross. Can you imagine that? Christ witnessed these disciples turn their backs on him. And he still went to the cross. Romans 5.8. This should put a little bit of perspective on it. While we were sinners... Christ died for us. He didn't die for perfect people. He didn't go to the cross for saints. He went to the cross for sinners. He died in your sin. I love this. His church, his bride was on his heart the whole way to the cross. He was dying to purchase us from the bondage of sin and death. He was paying our price and our penalty. And we don't deserve that. He's patient with us. What do I mean by that? I'm having to learn some new patience with my two boys. Trevin, my dear two-year-old, who is, I was thinking, daddy's boy, is starting to act like the spawn of Satan, to be quite honest, to put it a little bluntly. He, and I know you want to take him home. You've, you've told me, and you can have him. I mean... He's back there. We'll sign him out to you. He, he's disobeying us regardless of whatever we do. When he doesn't get his way, he throws his head back and falls on the floor and 
pitches a tantrum. And we've done everything. We've done discipline. We've done time out. We've done splashing in with water with that. And power of Christ compels you. I mean, nothing works. And I'm having to learn patience with the disobedience of my son. And I know as parents in here who have had children grow and get older, y'all are sitting here looking at me like, you just wait. (laughs) Am I right? You just wait. Christ has that kind of patience towards us. God has that kind of patience towards us in the sense that in our sin and in our shame, even though we disobey daily, even though we fail daily, even though we rebel daily, He still loves us. And let me encourage you with this this morning, church. There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. In the midst of my own shame and in the midst of my own betrayal and disobedience, He still loves me. It's a type of love that we don't deserve. It's a patient love. And He demonstrates that on the cross. This is what's coming When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end of his own life. He loved them to the end of his own life. Number three, we also see the depth of Christ's persevering love. The depth of his persevering love. The depth of his never ending love, which is number two of the, he loved them to the end. To the end of what? To the end of not only his life, but to the end of the disciples' life. Even, even after, even after Christ has died and has resurrected and ascended into heaven, he still loves the disciples. It's a persevering love. These disciples, read read Acts, they're still going to make mistakes. But they also, because of Christ's love for them, love Christ to the end. Christ loved them to the end of their lives. And what was the end of their lives? The majority of them were persecuted and murdered. Christ still loved them. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what comes our way, 
Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And let me even tell you this, not even your sin can separate you from the love of Christ if you're in Christ. How often, how often do we feel like, oh, I've messed up. God hates me. Jesus has turned his back on me. How often do we feel like that? Because let me tell you, we may turn our back on Christ, but Christ never turns his back on us. C.S. Lewis, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, even though we may change, Christ never changes. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing can separate us. Christ has a love for us that is never ending. And that's my, my third of the ending of the loving them to the end. So uh, Christ loved them to the end of his life. Christ loved them to the end of their life. And Christ loves them to the end of all things. And when is that? Never. It's an endless kind of love. It's a love for all eternity. For His bride, for His church, He loves us for all eternity. There is nothing you can do that will make Christ love you more, and there's nothing you can do that will make Christ love you less. And I want you to rest in His love today, church. Because I feel like some people in here, we wrestle with our sin so much. And listen, I wrestle with my own sin. And I get discouraged from time to time as well. And sometimes I may even have that little spark of doubt in my mind. But it's more of a, of a thought of why would God even love somebody like me? Why would Christ, why would Christ have me on his heart when he walked to the cross, knowing that even when I became a Christian, I'm still going to fail him daily. But yet he still died for me. That should be encouraging for us. Because Christ lived and died for us, that should give us encouragement to live and die for Him. Because Christ's particular love gives us the grace, it provides the grace we need in order to press on for Him. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world. His own who were in the world. I want to I, I, I rest just a little bit for the, for the rest of our time on that little bit right there. His own who were in the world. See, here's the thing about Christ and His particular love for His church. He calls the church out of the world to be set apart. But we are to be in the world to spread the gospel, to be lights. And so if we, who are His own, as we are in the world, as we encounter struggles day in and day out, as we encounter temptation day in and day out, as we encounter persecution, which church will come one day. 
As we encounter all of that, we are still called to be in the world, but not of the world. We are, we are missionaries. We are not Americans first, church. Let me say that. We're Christians first. We're called to be in the world. He has set us apart. He has transformed us. He has made us different. And, and church, it's going to be discouraging. There are going to be times when the enemy just wants to rip you apart. Because the enemy knows that even though Christ may have you as his own, he knows he can still discourage you. He knows he can still make things bad for you. And trust me, I know you think pastors have it easy. We don't. If you were wondering. It's it's Christ's love for us that should encourage us as we are in the world. It's Christ's love for us that should help us to press on as we're in the world. Because church, discouragements are going to come, but Christ never changes. Despair will come, but Christ never leaves us. There will be times in this world where we're going to say, God, go ahead and take us out because we're ready. But Christ, in his love for us, his unending love, his patient, persevering, particular love for us should help us to press on. That no matter what comes our way, we can still move forward. Joshua 1 8, do, uh, do not be, uh, be, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for I am with you wherever you, you may go. I went to, um, so I've got a list of pastors I like to uh, listen to. And um, I've got a list of pastors that I like to tell them, I wish you were my pastor. And there's one guy that I decided to go visit his church um, the Sunday before I started here at Red Cross. I took a week off after I left my last church and I went, drove up to Raleigh. That's where his church is. It's uh, the Summit Church. It's J.D. Greer's church, who is currently the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and I got to sit under his message. I found out which campus he was going to be at because they're one of those large mega churches that has like 35,000 campuses. And, um, okay, more like five. So I found out which campus he was going to be at, and I went up. And, and uh, you know, just, just making a transition from one church to a new church can be discouraging in its own way. In the sense of, you don't know what's coming. You don't, like, when, when I was coming into Red Cross, before I started, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know how crazy y'all were. Y'all crazy. My kind of crazy, but y'all crazy. And so I decided to go. I, I took the week off between transition, went up to the, to the church and uh, sat down. Uh, I, I got to meet his uh, wife, very lovely lady. Uh, me and one of my best friends went. We, we got to sit in the front row. Uh, J.D. Greer is like right there. He's spitting on me. I'm like, oh, there's the anointing, you know. And um, wow, I'm glad somebody got it. And uh, 
His message was on Joshua. His message was on Joshua, and the focus was on Joshua 1.8. Where I'm sitting there, discouraged a little bit, just because I don't know what's coming. Wondering if I am following God's will. And J.D. Greer preaches a message, Joshua 1.8. And it was so encouraging. To understand that God never leaves us. And church, I can tell you that no matter where we go, God never leaves us, never turns His back on us, and we can see that because of His love for us. Because of His love for us. Be encouraged with that this morning. Be encouraged that, yes, we sin, and we're disobedient, and we rebel, and we deserve the very depths of hell. But for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, He loves us just as much in the evening as He does in the morning. He never stops loving us. For those in this room who have never surrendered their life to Jesus, will you please understand that Christ demonstrates His love for us by going to the cross for us. The cross that we are going to eventually get to in the Gospel of John, that right now in in, in chapter 13 is looming over Christ. The shadow is there. He knows it's coming. But because of His love for those who surrender His life or their lives to Him, He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He goes. So if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I implore that you do that today. Christ is here with open arms. For those who will put their faith and trust in Him. Christ does not... He he will take you as you are, but He will not keep you as you are. Christ wants to transform you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone who will lay down his life for his friends. And let me tell you, church... There's just something peaceful about being able to say that I am a friend of Jesus. Just something peaceful about it. Knowing that His love for us never fails, never ends, never runs out, and is for all eternity. So church... Where are you at this morning? Do you need to be reminded of that? Well, good. You you just were. Or do you need to be aware of it and turn to it? Today's the day. Because church, all I have is Christ. And that's all I need. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for the love that you have shown us by sending your son to die for our sins. And God, we are so thankful for the love 
that you continue to provide to us each and every single day this unending, eternal love, this particular love, this patient love, and this persevering love. God, help us. Help us to feel that love this morning. Help us by, by your word to be reminded of this love that you have for us. Help us to know as those who have given their life to you that we can never lose that love. And help us for those in this room who have never surrendered their life to you. Help them to see the love that you have for them. Because God, you have called each and every single one of your followers in the midst of their sin. You have called each and every single one of your followers to follow you. You've drawn them to you. And so God, there's nothing within us that we can do to be saved. I pray God that you would help us see that. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving a wretch like me. Thank you for loving a wretch like the people in this room. Thank you for giving your son for our sin. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.